Joining us now, he's the main man down there at the PRN Network. Doug Rice joins us. Doug, welcome into the golf show. Good morning, shop. Doug. Well, good morning, guys. Greetings from Daytona Beach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully, it got a little. It's going to get a little warmer there. I know we were nice on Thursday, a little chilly yesterday. Uh, how's the weather shaping up for the weekend? Uh, today's going to be gorgeous. Mid sixties, no rain. Uh, chance of chance of it being wet tomorrow. Don't mm-hmm. like to say that, but you know everybody has a weather app on their phone now, so you can't. Yeah, how do you, how do you that. avoid but that? Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. you know they'll miss and. It's a great American race in on time. Yeah, so uh, interesting with the duels on Thursday night. Uh, it seemed like that it was really dependent on how many of a manufacturer was in the race. I mean, there was a lot of Fords that were in that was in Duel 1 and the Ford 1, and a lot of Chevys in Duel 2 and, and uh, Chevy 1 Duel 2. Uh, are we going to see more of this come Sunday? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, a- absolutely. And I think, too, to the credit of Chevrolet and Ford, this is a little bit of an equalizer. You know, last year, Toyota just ruled the roost. They, they won 19 races with less cars. But here, more is better because the more cars you can line up in your line, the better chance you have of getting to the front. So I think Chevrolet and Ford can maybe have a, have a shot at winning this thing and not being dominated like they were last season. Yeah, the fact that uh, Eric Jones's car looked like it belonged on a wrecker heading to the junkyard and that thing won the race <laughs> yeah, that's right. was absolutely amazing. And the main reason was because Denny Hamlin was the uh, was his teammate and they were the only two teammates and Denny was a lap down. So he just said, you know what, Art, we're going to win this race. I, li- I like the way they described Jones's car. They said it was a block of tape with four wheels. <laughs> and that's essentially <laughs> what it was. That's right. So that was that was interesting. That was um one of the more curious finishes I've seen in my history of being down here at Daytona. Yeah, I mean, it was. we had a lot of carnage in that race. Do you, what do you see happening on Sunday with the stage racing? I mean, do you see um, some, you know, the manufacturers all, uh, you know, pitting together and maybe the field's getting broken up because they might be on a little bit different schedule, and then as we get towards the end of a stage that everything kind of comes back together and it gets wild for a little bit, and then we settle down until the end of the next stage, and then the same thing where – I think you'll see two philosophies. I think you'll see uh, teams that want to play and try to get stage points because they start counting now. You know, actually, they started counting in the duels. So they're going to be one group that says, we're going to grab as many stage points as they can. There's going to be others that say, no, we're going to run this race on our schedule or at least attempt to. So the field will probably get broken up in the first two stages. That's what normally happens at these super speedway races. And if it follows suit, we'll probably get to lap 180 with most of the field intact. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really I really believe that. And then the last 20 laps, uh, the alliances start to fade a little bit, and by lap with five to go, it's every driver for themselves. I think for me, the good news is uh, in this race that somebody like Ricky Stenhouse, who's on a smaller team with, uh, you know, yep. with uh, Dory, JTG, Jordy Racing, is that he's on a smaller team. You know, the expectations are a little bit lower, but he's got a really fast car. And we know that Ricky Stenhouse sometimes doesn't necessarily care who gets in his way at super speedways. He's going to kind of knock him out of the way. So from that standpoint, he's not going to get a lot of help, but he could be somebody that mixes it up a little bit. Well, 
it, it's hard for me to say because Stenhouse has always been with Roush. In a Chevrolet, uh, there are plenty of other Chevys out there. You know, there's the RCR group, and then there's the, the Rick Hendrick cars. So there's other Chevys for him to team up with. But getting back to your point, the thing that I find fascinating down here, if you can be a middle-of-the-road or even a backmarker team, and if you catch the right brakes, you can be in a position to win this thing. Two years ago, Brendan Gaughan, who was driving for a, a, a family, was in fourth place with two laps to go. And, you know, wound up getting caught in a crash. But the fact is, at the end of the race, he was right there poised to win the thing. So somebody like him or Michael McDowell or one of these other teams – that have got some speed and got drivers that know how to run these big tracks. You know, there Cinderella's around here somewhere. Well, could it be Matt DiBenedetto? Because he's driving a car that has won the Daytona 500 in recent years, but has also helped other drivers win the Daytona 500. And I think that Matt DiBenedetto actually has some credibility inside of the garage because he led a lot. He led the most laps last year in the Daytona 500. It absolutely could be Matt Benedetto, who has become a fan favorite, by the way. Yeah. People gravitate to him. And another guy, if, if we're doing this show a year from now, I think that we're going to be talking about, even though he's only running a couple of cup races, is going to be Ross Chastain. Hmm. He's got a lot of personality, and, and the kid can drive a race car. So, But, you know, to my point about Cinderella or underdogs or however you want to, last night at the truck race, uh, Natalie Decker, who I think had an average finish of 27th last year, came home fifth. Mm-hmm. So you can you can make things happen down here if you can just avoid the mayhem in the first three quarters of it. Yeah, and it looks like these cars uh, at Daytona, at least, are a lot more stable than they were last year. Though actually, the last couple of years, where you know, uh, I think you know, in the last couple of years, you've had uh, Jimmy Johnson in Turn Four has spun out, and uh, and Chase Elliott in Turn Four has spun out without any contact. And it seems like they have a little more stability this year. And you really got to get them, uh, got to get help to turn these things around. Well, this is the first time for the five hundred that these cars have been here with the reduced horsepower package, that 550 horsepower deal. And I think that's got a little bit to play in. And also, think uh, got to give the drivers a little bit of credit. They're trying to figure out their way around. They're a little bit more experienced than just now. Doug, who, who do you like in this race? Is there is there one guy that's standing out based on what you've seen over the, over this week? Is there is there a car? Well, that... I mean, publicly, I've all I've, I've picked Denny Hamlin all along. Okay. And I know, you know, that's easy to do. He's won it twice, and this would be back to back for him. But I think he's a guy that's just coming into his own. I really think he's seeing everything that's happening around him exceptionally well. Part of me would like to say Stenhouse because I didn't. I thought he would drop to the back like a stone in his qualifying race, and he ran up front till the very end, and it was like he he bailed out because I've already got the pole. I don't need to wreck my car, which that's understandable. Not the brightest guy out right. there, but. Yeah. Uh, those, those two, Stenhouse or Denny Hamlin. Well, you know, and, and again, we're talking with Doug Rice from PRN Network. And Doug, don't you? I don't know. I almost got the sense in the in the clash that yeah, Denny Hamlin had the best car. He was he was constantly trying to make moves, but it almost seemed like 
not even his own teammates wanted to work with him. Is there something in you that kind of says that, man, Denny Hamlin is so good right now at this that, that like almost nobody wants to help him because they're afraid if they help him, they're not going to get by him. Oh, absolutely. And also look at it this way with his Joe Gibbs teammates. Kyle Busch doesn't have a Daytona 500. Martin Truex Jr. has never won this. Eric Jones has never won it. Denny Hamlin, he's got two of those trophies. So they're not they're not in a big hurry to help him out. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you've picked a Chevy and a, and a, a Toyota. Uh, who's going to lead the Ford charge for this? I mean, is it, is it Kevin Harvick after watching how he got himself to the front in the duel? And he's awfully good here. I, I, I mean, and, and I think he is so much better than the other Fords from Stuart Haas. I don't think you can say, look at the Stuart Haas Fords. I think you say, look at Kevin Harvick, and he has three teammates. I think, I think Harvick for the Blue Oval Bunch is probably the best one to look at. And, and it seems like that, uh, you know, Brad Keselowski is the guy that just kind of pops up all of a sudden at the front. I mean, we watched the whole duel, and next thing yeah. you know, there's Brad Keselowski running in second place and, and uh, being responsible for, you know, I guess uh, whoever was going to win. You have some extra motivation. Keselowski and uh, his teammate Ryan Blaney are free agents after this year. There's no free in free agency, by the way. But right. <laughs> they're, they're kind of racing for their dinner. <laughs> well, all right, before we let you go, Doug, how is this going to set up for the year? What is 2020 going to look like? Because, and for fans that may not be uh, as on top of NASCAR uh, as some others, this is a different schedule this year. I mean, like, for instance, we have Pocono races. There's going to be a Saturday and a Sunday Pocono race. Uh, you which, know, how, which I love the idea of the weekend doubleheader. I think you're going to see more of that in the sport, not less of it. Because there are tracks that we only need to go to once a year, but if you run two races, everybody wins. So I see that being a thing. We'll actually be back here in Daytona in August to run the last race of the regular season. So there could be a shot come down here and a bunch of teams going, hey, we've got a chance to win at Daytona and get in the playoffs. I really like that part of it. I'm not crazy about the season ending at Phoenix. I just don't know about that, but NASCAR has implemented some new rules to hopefully make the short track shows a lot more attractive. I, I feel pretty good across the board about everything because last year, tracks like Charlotte uh, were a lot more competitive. The shows were compelling. Uh, if they can make the short track shows better, I, I think we'll come out ahead. And then they're, they're, the rumor changes for 2021 are massive, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season to see how these things go. And, uh, you know, Chevrolet seemed like they were at a little bit of a disadvantage last year. They've got a new uh, a new nose and a new tail on the car. Yeah. Um, you may not necessarily see it take over at the super speedways, but I think at the mile-and-a-half tracks where they seem to be a little bit behind, I think it's going to make a huge difference for them. Is that is that kind of what you're thinking as well? Absolutely. And the other thing Chevrolet doesn't have, and I think this gets lost in the mix, you know, there were several years there that the Hendrick Motorsports driver lineup was like an all-star race mm -hmm. in itself. You had Jeff Gordon, you had Jimmy Johnson, Casey Kane, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I mean, that's that's a big lineup. That's a murderer's row. And now you've got Jimmy Johnson on the back end of his career. Casey Kane, I mean, uh, Chase Elliott, who's won half a dozen races. Alex Bowman, who's won one. Um uh, it's William Byron, who's won none. Uh, 
Chevrolet right now doesn't have the drivers that they used to have either. I know a lot of it's about the technology, but I also think that the guy holding the steering wheel is not quite up to par with what they had five years ago. Well, which screams that uh, before, again, Jimmy Johnson on his uh, farewell tour, does Jimmy get a win? And to your point, there's two Penske drivers that are going to be free agents. Uh, who's going to end up in that seat in the 48? That's 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 the big question. It seems like I think the first half of the season, it's it's almost open auditions. And Rick Hendrick and his people can sit back and look, and they can evaluate. A lot of people like Brad Keselowski for that job because there's a connection there. But I, I think that's more wide open. Does he want to try to get a seasoned veteran in there to be the leader, or does he want to spend a third of that money and get a young guy? So I think that's big. I don't think Jimmy Johnson wins this year. Hmm. And I, I love Jimmy and respect him beyond all belief, but I, I don't have any reason to think that he's magically going to have a renaissance and start winning after – almost a thousand days of not having a victory nice all right well doug man we always appreciate you coming on we i love listening to your your call and the team's call on the radio have a great uh sunday race down there all right thanks so much let's keep the rain away that's